Big Ten do not steal. Oh good, it's still recording. It's for the kingdom of God and it will be used as such, Lord. Um, we want to lift up your name tonight because you are the God over us and our loving Father. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 One more announcement that we have Amen. that is a way that you can serve our Harrisonburg community is that my kids' elementary school is having something called the Night Book Store, and as the semester goes on, the kids are able to um, get night books. They're the nights, the Spotswood nights. And so they're able to get night books, and then they can come the week after you guys get back from Thanksgiving break, they can come and buy gifts for their families. So a lot of the kids at our kids' school um, won't have a lot of gifts uh, generally, and it's amazing to see their generosity, that most of them won't buy gifts for themselves, but they're buy gifts for their siblings or their mom or their grandma or whoever. And uh, so they need volunteers to help with the night bookstore. And it's happening that entire week, so the 27th to the 1st, during the day, and they're like two-hour blocks. You can hum, come and help kids, um, help them spend their night books, help them decide what to get, help them wrap the gifts. And so it's a way to serve the community with not your money, but another resource you have, which is your time. So if you're interested in that, come see me after service, because I would love to get you the details. And it is like the cutest, purest thing you've ever seen. So I'm very excited about that. And another way that we can give and serve is through our money. Like we bought things, and another way is through our offering. And so we're going to take up offering right now. You can Venmo JMUXA. You can put your cash in the treasure box on the way out. And we're just going to pray over that right now. Jesus, would you help us as we have grateful hearts to be generous? As we are thankful for your provision, as we get to know you better and see that you are our provider and that you are always faithful, would you help us to be generous with our time, with our finances, with everything we have? And so God, would you just take this offering and meet needs and share your love and your joy and the gospel all around this campus and around the world. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So it is my joy to welcome up our speaker tonight. She is an incredible woman of God, yes, she and she is, is bringing the word, Miss Rachel Hirsch. Man. Wow. Thank you. Uh, Zion is at home with his daddy. So, hey, babe, if you're watching. And baby, I hope you're asleep. Um, but yeah, hi everybody. Thanks for that warm welcome. I feel super excited to be here. Uh, as you heard, my name is Rachel Hersher, and I am on staff with Jamie High Alpha. My husband is Joshua Hersher. Uh, you probably see him a little bit more than me, but that's because I'm at home doing what, like, I... I think it's one of the most wonderful, amazing things that we can do, and it's raising children. So I have a kid. He is seven months old. His name's Zion. Cutie. You know, love at first sight. He, uh, we just lowered his crib because he's, like, sitting up and stuff. Little, little scary stuff. Also, he's got teeth. Um, so teeth are popping forth. Big things happening at the Hersher, at the Hersher household. Very exciting. Um, man, just look at this room. It's so beautiful. I'm just going to take you in for a second. A little scan. Love it. Not making eye contact with everyone. I saw that. Very cute. All right. But anyways, a little bit more about me. Um, I love Jesus, as I'm sure a lot of us in this room do. Who loves Jesus here? Come on. He deserves a little bit more than a little, woo, come on, a little bit better. Yeah, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He is hot stuff right there. God is so good. Jesus is beautiful. Um, also, I love my family. I love being a mom. Um, but this is like something I really love is watching movies. I am such a movie girl. 
ever since I was a little kid, we would watch movies like at the end of every day or something that we looked forward to. We didn't watch TV during the day so we could watch a movie at night. And that has continued into marriage to the point where Josh is like, can we not watch a movie? I want to do something different. But uh, the way I watch movies is usually in phases. So I get addicted to a certain type of movie, a theme. So it's like I go through inspirational sports films. Like I watched Invincible and Rocky, like all within the same week. And then I'll go to like heist movies. Heist movies. Heist movies are where it is at. One of my favorite movies is Oceans. I heard that. I didn't realize how inappropriate it was because I watched it on like live TV all the time and then I watched it like streaming. I'm like, oh wow. Did not know it had that much language. But love the Oceans movies. So here are a few more heist movies. So there's, like you guys said, Oceans. There's Baby Driver. There's Now You See Me. Right? So good. There's Inception. Heist movie in your mind. And there's Despicable Me. You cannot go wrong with a good heist movie. They can be lighthearted. They can be intense. They can like hurt your brain. They can also just be like really fun. Um, but as we continue in this series, what happens when it's not just uh, a movie? What happens if the heist happens in real life? When the prince of Nigeria needs your credit card number to save his, to save his village? What happens when uh, someone takes your spike ball net off of the quad? What happens when someone takes your favorite pen? It's not as much fun. It's funny because in these heist movies you feel like there's some sort of justice, right? Because it's like, oh, these like, the underdogs are stealing from this big guy who like robbed them and he got his wealth somehow wrongly. But once again, it's, it's sobering when we realize, oh, if the heist is, when you're the one being taken advantage of, it changes your perspective on things. It's like, how can I trust people if they're just gonna take it from me? Should I leave my backpack out? It, it changes the way that you see a community. It changes the way that you see your things. And so, as we continue in this Big Ten series, I'm sure you guys can guess, we're going to talk about do not steal. The commandment, do not steal. Stealing is not good. I feel like we can all agree on that. Like, we could probably, the same with do not commit adultery and do not murder. It's like, great, let's not do that and let's go home and continue not doing that. But I feel like the Lord has something more that he wants to share with us tonight from this text. Um, a little bit about uh, the Exodus passage, Exodus 20, is it's taking place when the Israelites are coming out of slavery from Egypt. They had been in slavery for about 400 years, and Moses goes up a mountain to and encounters God, and God gives him these commands in order to help them love him and to love the community and serve the community. Um, during this time of do not steal, um, when they said this, it, this command was talking about taking property, um, and specifically taking property in secret. Um, taking it by force could have been another verb used, but that's not the one that we see here. Embezzlement is another form of, of stealing that would have fit into this category. Once again, this, this commandment seems pretty simple, and, and we're really just diving in here. It seems simple, but I think, once again, that God wants to speak to us about how to love one another in a deeper way that goes so, mu that goes so much deeper and so much further than just not taking things and stuff. Um, so before we get into our main text, which is in Acts, um, let's just pray. Um, and I'm just going to be still for a second and just be still and settle your, yourselves before the Lord before we get into the Word. Yeah, God, we just thank you so much that you are our God, 
Lord, that you, you show up every time, God, that even in worship, that we're able to, to, to lift our praise to you, lift our thanksgiving to you, and Lord, you just lavish your love back on us. Lord, I pray that you prepare our hearts and our minds to receive your word. Lord, I pray that um, we would leave um, knowing you deeper and knowing you better and knowing how to love one another better. We love you, King Jesus. In your name we all say, Amen. Come on. So once again, uh, we are going to be in the book of Acts, specifically Acts 4. So if you want to open your Bibles or get your phones out, um, we're going to be in Acts 4.32. The reason why we're going to the book of Acts is because it is all about the early church. Um, Acts was written right after uh, Jesus. Uh, It takes place right after Jesus died, rose again, spent some time with his disciples, and then ascended into heaven. And so they are are figuring out what what church is supposed to look like, what community is supposed to look like, what loving and serving Jesus is supposed to look like as they have the Holy Spirit with them. Um, Once again, we're looking at them because they lived a life of sacrifice and of generosity and of community towards each other that we can really that we we can really learn from. Um, So once again, it is Acts 4.32. Right. Nice. And it says, all the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who who had need. Man, let's just look at that first verse, that first line. All the believers were in one heart and mind. Sheesh. That, that is super hard. I don't know if you, you are aware of our world today, but we are definitely not looking unified. We, we see church splits. We have a countless number of denominations. There are so many uh, different opinions and things that can disunify us, that, that can separate us. And so how on earth did this church live in a way that they were in one heart and mind? And I believe it's because they beheld Jesus at every moment of every day. What I mean by beholding Jesus is that they kept Jesus in front of them. That they were like, okay, God, what do you want to do today? When they woke up, they're like, hey, Jesus, how are you doing? When they left their house, they're like, hey, Jesus, what are you saying? When they, when they were walking around the street, they were like, hey, God, do you have something that you, that you want to say to this other person? They lived so fully alive in Christ through the Holy Spirit that they were all unified by his Spirit. I believe that beholding Jesus is to, to look at him and, and imagine him and see him so deeply that when he walks into the room, we would recognize him. That when, to that when we behold Jesus, we know his voice so well that in a crowded room, we could pick it up. That, that when he walks into the room, that we can smell his fragrance like that is beholding Jesus. These, these, uh, this early church, many of them had interacted with Jesus. They had seen Jesus. They, they, they knew Jesus. And today we have that opportunity to know Jesus in that same way. That we may not have the physical person of Jesus next to us, but we can hear his voice. That we can see his face. That we can behold his beauty. And when this happens, unity happens. They were in one heart and mind because they beheld Jesus. Could you open this up for me? Jesus is like a tuning fork. We love tuning forks, thanks. Oh yeah, get that out of there. Nice. I don't have as many hands because of the mic. So this is a tuning fork. 
Tuning forks are used um, many times by a, a conductor of an orchestra in order to get everybody on the same key. So I'm going to put my mic down for a second. So he hits, they'll hit the note. You guys hear that? It's really subtle, but. And it keeps going. But the, the conductor will hit it, and all of the instruments need to tune in to that note. They all need to tune in. Because I don't know if you know about this, but instruments go out of tune. Uh, Morgan, in fact, is leaving her viola at my house because the, it's temperature controlled. Humidity can make instruments go out of tune. Temperature can make instruments going, go out of tune. Playing the instrument, it slowly goes out of tune. So before, uh, before they play for uh, a symphony or for an audience, for a crowd, it's important that the whole orchestra tunes their instrument in to that sound. But what happens if they all tune themselves into the person next to them? If they all start to tune themselves to the instrument next to them, then there's going to be dissonance. It is not going to sound good because everybody's somewhat off tune. Even if they're close, it can be sharp or flat, and then it will not sound good. It will not sound good at all. And so it's the same way with the body of Christ. When we behold Jesus, we are tuning in to who he is and what he's doing, and we all are able to play in the same key. We all may be called to different things, but we're all on the same wavelength, creating a melody and a harmony that's, that works together beautifully. And this is, once again, why this community was not stealing, because they were in tune with the heart of God. They were in tune with the heart of Jesus. And so when you're in tune with the heart of Jesus, you want to love and serve God, which means to not harm your neighbor. It means you're not going to be stealing from your neighbor. And because of that, we see this next line. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Stealing is an assault on the community and those around us. It's seeing one's own needs as more important than someone else's. Uh, and once again, there is no stealing happening in this community. There's actually anti-stealing happening. They were selling their houses. They were giving things that they had away to benefit the person next to them. There is giving and sharing abundantly. And this was possible because they daily sought Jesus. When everyone is tuned into the heart of God, they're not looking to serve themselves, but they're looking to serve Christ. In Matthew, Jesus summarized all the commands in this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. When we love God with all we are, the second comes very naturally. Loving and serving Christ is to love and serve our community. Loving and serving Christ is to love and serve the person next to you. In 1 John, it says, Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, who they have not seen. You could very easy, easily reread that and say, whoever claims to love God yet steals from a brother or sister is a liar. You cannot love someone and take from them. It, it just does not work. And then we see this next part. They didn't see their possessions as their own. And I don't believe this is because they had it all in like one big pot. Like, everything that we have is completely communal. But I believe it's because they saw everything that they had as the Lord's. Every possession they had, they, they held with open hands. It is impossible to receive with closed hands. 
and it is impossible to give with closed hands. The Lord, everything that we have comes from above. Everything that we have comes from him, him, our Father, and he gives it to us. And as we receive it, we are released to give to others. And as we receive from others, we can give praise to our God above. There is a constant exchange happening uh, of the heavenlies to those around us, which is a beautiful exchange. And the early church knew that what they had could be given because, once again, it, it was from God. And they used it to bless others. And this goes beyond money. It goes beyond possessions. It, it goes into our time. It goes into our gifting, giftings. It, it, it means giving people rides. Whatever it may look like, we have the opportunity to to serve God and serve others for his glory. And we see in the next line, it says, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. The apostles testified of the resurrection of Jesus. They bore witness. They bore witness to Jesus dying and rising again. They bore witness to the miracles upon miracles that he performed. They saw him heal the sick. They saw him raise the dead. They saw him um, cast out demons. They saw him um, feed 5,000 from a little boy's lunch. They saw him do all these things. And so as they testified and of him and knew of what he was capable of, as they continued... To it, the word testimony and testify come from the same thing. When we talk about like having a student spotlight, it's a testimony. It's when people can declare what God has done in their lives. And as we see it play out in other people's lives, we realize it can be possible for our lives. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I hear Casey, was his broken leg was healed, I'm like, oh my gosh, my leg's broken. God could heal my leg. Or I hear, oh my goodness, um, so-and-so is depressed. Oh my goodness, God can heal me of my depression. As we keep the testimony of Jesus before us, the impossible becomes possible for us. The miracle maker is in the room. The miracle worker is in the room. Jesus Christ is in the room. It's possible for me. And so as they, they lived a life of bearing witness to the, t the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, they knew that God would provide for all of their needs. If God healed a broken leg, what's my rent? If God raised someone from the dead, what, what's my, my gas bill? Like God is, is, is able to do more than we can absolutely imagine. And the problem with stealing, apart from it's wrong, as we know, stealing is wrong, um, is it's, a, it's evidence of a lack of faith. Stealing is evidence of a lack of faith. It says, I don't trust God. I, I, I don't trust that he's going to provide for all of my needs. And when this ideology begins to happen in us, two things begin to work themselves out. First is that we begin to hold tightly to all of our possessions because we think that they can be taken away from us in an instant. And secondly, we begin to take our provision into our own hands. And I, th I think we see this with like small theft. For example, taking a pen that's not yours. You're like, this, may not this probably won't affect anyone else, and I like this pen, so I'm going to take it. Or receiving multiple packages and not sending them back. Or... Um, Somebody rings up your order wrong and they charge you too little and not being honest and being like, hey, you rung this up wrong. Um, I actually got two McDoubles, whatever it may be. Or cheating on a test, receiving answers that you didn't work for yourself and stealing the answers from another source. When we think through these examples, once again, it may be true that it's, it might not be hurting anybody else, but it's hurting ourselves. It's about a heart posture. If we find ourselves rationalizing that something's okay, that's evidence that it's probably not okay. I believe that it's evidence of hardening your heart. When we're, when we're silencing the Holy Spirit within us, 
then we are, we're, we're drawing away from Jesus. We're no longer tuning into what he is, but we're tuning into what we want. And, and, it's, and that's once again where disunity begins to happen and, and harming the community around us. When we ignore that little voice inside of us, our conscience, once again, it's tuning out of the heart of God. It's impossible to, to tune into the heart of God and silence the Holy Spirit within us. The root of stealing, in my opinion, is a breakdown of theology. It's believing that God is not who he says he is. Another word for, uh, for God is gyra. Uh, a lot of you guys may know the song. Gyra, you are enough. I will be content. I know, I keep going. I'm pulling a Rob Segears. But, um, <laughs> right? Thanks for, thank you, Casey. I thought that was funny, too. Um, but, yeah, God is our provider. Jaira, Jehovah Jaira, he is our provider. And we sing about how he is enough. But the thing is, uh, if we feel worried about finances or we feel stressed, about um, the next bill that we're going to pay, we realize that we can actually enter into an invitation of trusting the Lord. Every opportunity, every time that we worry, any time that we're, we're stressed or anxious about something financial, it is an opportunity to step into the invitation that God wants to provide for us, that he wants to provide for you. And it's in the same way of like, if you're getting a cold, and you, or excuse me, if you're receiving a cough, it's a symptom of getting a cold. And in the same way, if we're seeing that we uh, are getting stressed about finances, it's a symptom of maybe we're not trusting God or believing that he is who he says he is. But once again, the beauty of knowing Jesus is that we are not stuck in the worry. That we can once again step into that invitation we get to step into that invitation we're not stuck in the stress we're not stuck in the worry but we know that we have a good father that will provide for our needs that god is enough that he is our god and he is the god of more than enough and that he is the god of abundance and in this i think that god wants to shift our definition of prosperity of our definition of abundance. I think the word prosperity has gotten a, lot of, a little shaky in our world today because it's been taken out of context and it's been abused. But prosperity is actually a kingdom principle. God wants to prosper us. And it's not for our own comfort, but it's so that we can be generous with what he gives us. He wants to provide for us abundantly for all of our needs. Financial, yes, but also emotional, mental, spiritual, and physical. And there are two mentalities that I want to talk about tonight. There's the poverty mentality and there's the prosperity mentality. A definition of a poverty mentality is living in scarcity and in fear that there will never be enough. It is living in fear that things will never work out that even what you have now will be taken from you at any moment, and that wealth is beyond your reach. And a prosperity mentality is this. This is our kingdom mentality that we need to be operating in. It's believing that needs will be met and enjoying life without fear. It's more than money, affluence, or success, but it's having peace of mind, high levels of health, a sense of faith, purpose, and meaning in life. God wants to prosper us. It is all over the Bible. It is all over the Bible of how God wants to prosper us. We love this Bible verse. Jeremiah 29 11. It's probably cross-stitched on like a thousand pillows out there. It's hanging on someone's bathroom wall. It, it says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to... Prosper. Yeah plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. God's plan is to prosper you and to give you a hope and a future. And then we see 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love, 
because perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. God does not want us living in fear. He is going to provide for us every time. And then we see through the Psalms, the psalmist says that our God has cattle on 10,000 hills. This is not saying that there's going to, like, if you're hungry, that there's going to be a, a fattened calf, like, sitting on your dining room table, which is good because some of you don't eat red meat. It might be chicken instead. I'm just kidding. But anyways, our God, this, is, this Bible verse is saying that our God has so many resources in his hand that at any moment he can provide for us. Our God has a fat wallet. He is willing and able to provide for us. And then we read uh, Philippians 4.19. And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Prosperity is not a number. No amount of money will cure a poverty mentality. Only gratitude and fixing our eyes on Jesus can do that. But it's so important to live with a prosperity mentality because as we operate in a, in a prosperity mentality, the little that we have, we're willing to be generous with it. The, the much that we have, we're willing to be generous with it. In this room, we probably don't have that big bank, the, the biggest bank accounts. But if we practice generosity now, we will be able to practice generosity time and time again as we're out of college, as we have families, and in the future. And also, once again, this isn't just about money, but with our time. As we learn to be generous with our time, we'll continue to be generous with our time in the future. And it all goes back to beholding Jesus. That when we behold him, even in our lack, we recognize him as our treasure. We recognize him as our provider. We recognize him as everything that we need and more. We see him as our reward. We see him as our treasure. We see him as beauty. We see him as glorious. We see him as precious. We see him as provider. So why steal if we know that our God's going to provide? When we behold Jesus, we see everything through a lens of gratitude and generosity. And that flows from us onto others. We, you see, when we operate in this, it's, it's no longer, oh, I can't forgive this person. It's, oh my goodness, Jesus forgave me of all these things. How could I not forgive my roommate for not washing the dishes? How could I not extend grace to my dad if, if God has extended me so much grace? How could I not tithe when I know that Jesus opened the door for this job for me? How could I not go up to this girl who looks sad on a bench when the Lord has filled me with so much joy and, and, and peace that I can share with other people? We begin to look through a lens of, oh my gosh, I have the cure for everything. He's the cure for everything, and I get to share him with everyone around me. When we get our eyes off of our lack, then we are released to release what we have to others. When we get our eyes off of our lack, we are then released to release what we have to others. And what would happen? What would happen if we actually lived this way? If we actually walked around this campus seeing other people and being like, I have what you need and it's Jesus. What would happen? I believe that we would begin to see uh, the impossible as possible. I believe that we would begin to see kingdom realities of our, as our realities because we're continuing to tune ourselves in to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We're continuing to tune ourselves in to Jehovah Jireh. And finally, we read in this passage, it says, And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or sold houses... Uh, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. We see God's grace at play. Grace is receiving something that you don't deserve. And God's grace was so powerfully on this community that it was compelling them to release and release and release what they had. 
The generosity that we see in this passage is impossible without a transformed life. And this is because without Christ, we choose ourselves. The antithesis to Christ-centeredness is, se- is, is self-centeredness. We cannot hold both. We cannot, hold, we cannot have one foot in like, oh yeah, I'm all for you, Jesus. And then over here of like, ah, nah, I'm going to feed my flesh. I'm going to do what I want. And it may not even be sinning, but it's just neglecting the voice of our Father who's beckoning us into something greater. We cannot hold both. He is everything or he is nothing. He is everything. He is nothing. He is my Savior. He is my Lord. Or he's just another guy. He needs to be all in all. And the the great thing about it is when we make him our all in all, we don't regret it because he he is everything. He He takes us on this adventure and he gives us a life that we never imagined. That his dreams become our dreams. When we step into what he has for us on a daily basis, it's so much better than what we could imagine for ourselves. He shows up in miraculous ways to meet our needs. And the, and the beautiful thing about this, too, is that he invites us to meet the needs of others. It's not just all about us, but he invites us to meet the needs of those around us. You see, the kingdom of God is not about hoarding goodness. It's about releasing goodness. It's about releasing the goodness that God gives to us, to others. We are not called to be dams. Got to be careful with that one. We're not called to be dams. We are called to be rivers. That when we experience joy, that it splashes onto other people. That when we experience peace or healing, it's not just being bottled up inside of us, but we're releasing that peace and healing onto those around us. That when we have a car, we are able to give rides to others, even the most simple things. That when we receive a, play, a paycheck, we are able to bless others. And in that, I have seen our community do this time and time again. We have a lot of events that we go to. We have fall retreat, we have salt, we have beach week. And multiple times I have seen small groups pull together for someone in their small group to be able to go to one of these things. Because it's like, yeah, not getting Starbucks or Dunkin' this week is worth you being able to go to Beach Week. It's amazing how God releases us to, to, to love on others because we see your presence is more important than my comfort this week. Your, your life and you encountering Jesus with our whole small group is more important. And I've been blown away because this happens time and time again. Our Father is a good Father, and as we seek Him and trust Him, he does show off to meet our needs. Um, I want to share this story about a, a missionary named uh, George Mueller. Uh, his life is a testimony of God's abundance. Um, when he was a young man, he's actually a thief. Um, he would steal money from his dad. He gambled. He was put in prison. Um, he was not necessarily an upstanding citizen that you might say, but he was invited to a small group. He was invited to a Bible study, and he went. And at the Bible study, he encountered authentic believers who loved and cared about him, and, they, and he encountered an authentic Jesus, and he gave his life to the Lord. He then wanted to become a missionary, and he told his dad this, and his dad pulled all support. He was in college, and he was trying to figure out how to make ends meet, and so he prayed. And within an hour, a professor knocked on his door and said, hey, do you want this job? And with that job, he was able to pay for the rest of his college. We saw that God provided. Then he moved to England and became a pastor, and he didn't take a salary. And he did, his family never missed a meal. God provided time and time again so that he could work without the expense of the church. And then God called him to open an orphanage, and he did. And over 10,000 children came and lived in his orphanage. And God would provide every meal. There are multiple occurrences where the children would be dressed, sitting at the dining room table, ready to eat, and there is no food. And, And George, he would come up to the table, and he would give thanks, even in their lack. He would give thanks for the food that wasn't on the table, and they'd just wait. And then they would get a knock on the door. It was a baker who, 
who in the night woke up feeling like they needed bread and breakfast was provided. And then another time it was a cook and then another time a milk wagon broke down in front of their orphanage and all the milk was donated and fed all the children because it was going to spoil. This happened time and time again where God provided miraculously and he just trusted. And he just trusted and God provided and he trusted and God provided and he trusted. And the same is true for us in this room. We don't need to steal because God's going to provide. And he wants to provide for our every need. He's faithful and he sees us. He knows our, our hopes, he knows our future, and he has great plans in mind for us. And what may seem impossible to us is really simple for him. It's just another Tuesday. It's just another Tuesday for me to love on my kids. It's just another Tuesday for me to provide for my kids. God is, our God is a God of more than enough, that he is a God of abundance. And once again, as we tune into him, as we fix our eyes on him, we are reminded of that. And when we're reminded of that, we are released to release what he's given to us, to others. Uh, as the band returns, I'm going to start bringing this plane to a landing. Um, there may be some of you in this room that have not stepped out in trusting God. That you've been keeping him at arm's length because you didn't know if he was going to provide for you. He does. Spoiler alert, he does. 2,000 years ago, he came. He wrapped himself in flesh. He died on the cross. He, and he took our sin upon himself so that we may have freedom in him. That we may have freedom in Christ. And he provided salvation for us. And he didn't just save us so that we could get into heaven, but he saved us so that we could live a life of abundance. So that we could live a, a life of peace, a life of joy, a life of, of relationship, of family, of finances, of perspective. He, he died so that we could experience the kingdom of heaven here and now. And that when we live life, that we get to live it to the fullest because he's in it. Is there anybody in the room tonight that would like to make that declaration, that would like to make Jesus the Lord of their life tonight? Nice. I'm going to assume that we're all there, that we're all with it. Praise the Lord. Come on. And then this is the second. This is the second group of us. There may be some of us in this room that we struggle with a poverty mentality. That we feel in lack. That you may feel in lack. That when you look at your life, you only see the gaps. That you feel like you're missing. And that you feel like you can't enjoy what's in front of you because you're just waiting for the shoe to drop. You're just waiting for it to be taken away. You feel like nothing good ever lasts. You might be thinking, my job won't last, it's too good. This relationship won't last, it's too good. My schooling won't last, it's too good. And you're just waiting for, once again, the shoe to drop. But our God is a God of healing. He's a God of joy. He's a God of provision. Come and behold Jesus tonight. Come and tune into what he is doing. Um, in a moment, I'm going to ask uh, us to move. If, if this has been speaking to you, if you feel like that's you, um, I'm going to ask that you come up and just respond. And what I mean by respond is you can pray, you can kneel, you can sit, you can stand. But just talk to Jesus. Ask Jesus, where am I, why am I feeling this way? Why do I feel like I'm in lack? Tune into what he's saying. Wait for a response. Just talk with him. And see him as your provider. See him as your, as your maker. See him as your lover that he loves you. Uh, and so if, if that's you, I'm going to ask that you come forward just right now. Don't think about it. If you feel like that's you, just come up. Just come up and get comfortable. Just get comfortable in his presence. And then as we respond, if there's anyone in this room that you feel like you need to pray for, if there's anyone in this room that, you, um, that you're like, man, I feel like the Lord's speaking this over them, pray over, pray over those up here, pray over the people next to you. 
Um, but don't miss this moment to behold Jesus. And don't miss this moment to love and serve your community through prayer and, and through just being with them. So as the band plays, we're just going to respond in this. So God, we just thank you for who you are. God, I pray that you would show up to us in a miraculous way and that we would leave change. We love you, God.
And I, I feel like he wants to provide that for you, God, that, that he wants you to step into a greater anointing of, of joy, a greater anointing of bubbliness, God, that, that, that it's not just... Um, it's not just a facade. It's not just something that you're putting up in front of others, but something that you feel in your room. It's something that you experience um, in your car alone, that, that he wants to invade your thought life, that he wants to invade um, the way that you perceive yourself and that you see yourself, but he wants to, to, to rewrite it and make it new. He wants to make you new. So God, I just, I just declare Mary would experience the fullness of your joy, that you that she would experience the fullness of your love, God, and, and that as, as as she beholds you and knows you, that she would recognize herself as um, a beautiful creation in you, that you delight in her fully, God, that you're proud of her, that when you look at her, you see delight, that you see not someone that's broken, but someone that's whole, that not someone that that. Um, it's too far to be rescued, but somebody that can step into the plans that, that he has for you. And so, God, I just thank you so much. God, I thank you so much that, that our sto- story isn't over, that you don't leave us broken, that you don't leave us alone, but that, that we can step into all that you are and all that we have in you, Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray for just freedom over Mary, God. I pray for freedom from stress, from freedom from anxiety, freedom from worry, God, that she, that she would experience the fullness of your provision in every area for life, God, that you'd experience your love in a new way, King Jesus, God, that you'd experience your love in a new way, King Jesus. just stand I believe that God wants to shift something in us tonight he wants to shift something in us tonight that he is truly who he says he is that he is beautiful that he is perfect that he is pure and that he sees each of us individually and he wants to provide for us because he, that's just what he does, because he loves us. He just loves us so, so deeply. And so, Chi Alpha, as a community tonight, let's remember this. Individually, let's remember this as we behold Jesus and tune into what he's doing, and also as we tune in together to what he's doing. Let's be a river Let's be a river, not hoarding the goodness that he's given to us, but, but loving each other well, but being generous with one another and loving each other well, seeing through facades, seeing through it all, and actually loving each other deeply. Man, God is among us. God is among us. And so with that, uh, if you would put out your hands before you to receive the benediction, May God bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
and give you peace as we remember who our God is as provider. And as we tune into what he's doing so that we may love others and love God and know that he is a God of abundance and provision. Man, go Dukes. Go Dukes. Love you guys. As we go from this place, let's love each other well and let's be generous and thankful as we're going into this Thanksgiving season. Come on. Ow, ow. It's super. Is it really hot? Am I red? Not really. That was probably one of the best sermons. I felt like that was, that was really good. Yeah. But it was really so good. Much. I thought it was really good. Thank you. It felt like there wasn't like a lot of like interaction in the room, and so it was just like this is lit. Like I was like, so thank you. Worship was great. I almost was like, we're gonna do that song once again with everyone standing, but then I saw that time had gone over, and I was like, yeah. Thanks for leading. You did a really great job. Oh, I'm. I need a ride from somebody. So, would you like me to take you home? Evie's gonna take me home. I'm just gonna. I don't. This is the like last one I'll be at. So I'm just gonna hang out. Yeah. So. Wow. Go juice. Go juice. Go mingle. I'll see you tomorrow. No, it's okay. I'm just like <laughs> you know, afterwards. Yeah. You're just rethinking everything. Don't. Rethink. You know, that was, don't, I know. Don't rethink. Don't rethink. Don't rethink. I think I learned this from that you. Was, that was. Don't rethink. That was. It was good. I mean, people moved to tears during response. So something hit. Yeah. People came up. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hey, girl, hang. Your nails be popping. So beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. I missed you so much. I missed you so much. I know. I haven't been able to come because I've been so busy with schoolwork. This is so only stressful. the second that I've been to because really? I'm home with the baby. So yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. But I just stopped doing my schoolwork and I was like, I'm going to come because I haven't been in like two weeks. So. <laughs> Welcome back. What a time Thanks. to be alive. I know. I know. I'm so glad I came. It was so good. Appreciate that. I afterwards, I always feel like kind of like. Ah, but oh, I always love it. It's so good. Come on. Are you going home for Thanksgiving? Are you? I am. I'm leaving on Sunday. Oh wow. Are you staying for game day? Or? I'm not gonna be here. I'm gonna be working. Okay. What yeah. are you doing in Rono? Yeah, what are you, did you say you're going to be at, oh, at no, work. Yeah, at work, sorry. I heard I'm going to be in Roanoke, and I was oh. like, oh, okay. Like, oh my gosh, how do you know where I live? Do you I live, live like, in Roanoke? I live like an hour south of Roanoke. Oh, okay. So, like, so that would make sense why yeah. you'd be in Roanoke. Yeah. But, That's great. Yeah. 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 Love you so much. We love you so much. Have you been experiencing a lot of anxiety where you're having trouble sleeping? Yes. Um, I felt like at the beginning of the service, like the Lord kind of like said somebody need. So I just had a sense. Can I pray for you? Yes. Okay. Dear God, I thank you so much for Ebony. God, I thank you that that she is your creation, and that uh, you you strip away anxiety, that you strip away worry, and that she can step into your joy and she can step into your peace. And Lord, I pray that tonight would be the first night in a long time where she's like, oh my gosh, I can actually sleep. Um, and I don't have images in my head. My mind's not running in circles. God, I pray that um, tonight she would actually feel rejuvenated, that tonight she would actually feel like a good sleep. And God, that um, even through the day, that there there wouldn't be this like running man in her head of recalculating what she's done wrong or anxiety about the next step or anxiety about um, relationships or who she's running into or or interactions, God, but Lord, I pray that um, she would just be able to rest uh, in knowing that, that she is good, 
that you you created her good that she that she doesn't make a thousand mistakes a day that that she um, that she can be human but her humanity doesn't define her God but you define her and that you delight in her Jesus and so Lord I pray that um, there just be no more no more stress no more anxiety um, and that it wouldn't cripple her but that she'd be able to walk in step with what you're doing and what you're saying in Jesus name thank you so much we're so seen and like you don't screw up all the time so yeah I don't that sounds really funny to say but like yeah I appreciate it yeah thank you you're not failing you're doing great thank you. you smell really good by the thank way. you hi I have a quick question for you. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so am I playing again? Because I can. Um, I can play like the first week of December. Is that the last TNL? I think so. If, if you would like to... Oh, I need to stop this. If you can... As I keep talking. 